y'all. We are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And we want to tell you about a podcast that we host called Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, white dudes. No, ma'am. Join us at Fruit Loops as we tell fascinating stories of true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that often go untold by the mainstream media. As we dive into these cases, we get into the historical and cultural context of the crimes and the criminals in order to get a sense of what might have influenced the perpetrators and led to the crimes. And that's right. New episodes drop every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So until then, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Só por causa de você, sou feliz e canto, só porque o amor é você. Did I skip forward? Huh? Did I skip forward in the song? I feel like no, you were I'm singing one at the part of the right song now, and I was singing we were, a completely we were different. We on tune. Okay. Yvette well. Sangalo, who? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right guy oh my god would you believe what? us again oh yeah we are here yeah. again i thought that something mm-hmm. happened to your computer oh and no you're like oh my god you're not gonna believe no, no. it nothing nothing ever happens it's okay nothing ever yeah. happens i'm carol and i'm stephanie and this is the Superior true crime podcast yeah covering all the latin american true crime stories since 2018 since 2018 <laughs> can you believe we've been here for so long it feels like it was yesterday that it really does i was recording on a little voice recorder and now we're here now i live like, by myself it now feels I'm like it was forever ago exactly. when i recorded in my closet in my parents house. <laughs> yes yes and Kara used to record in her parents closet we have yeah. grown with oh Suspiria. my god mm-hmm. that's so weird i know right look at that you've all grown with us whether you Isn't like it or cute? not i know right <laughs> i know right anyways guys today we're back at the motherland yeah mm-hmm. we're back uh we'll be telling you about one of the biggest tragedies in Brazil's history. As usual. This this podcast yeah. will be called a tragedy. <laughs> a Latin American tragedy. La- yeah. <laughs> Suspiria, a podcast of everything that has happened wrong ever. Yeah. Badly. Why? Yes. Yes. Anyway, so they would be talking about Colonia Hospital. Where over, where over a few decades, over 60,000 people lost their lives. Today we'll be talking to you about what's known as the Brazilian Holocaust. 
which I gotta say, pause. It's a, it's a name I didn't love that much until I really started looking into this, and we'll elaborate. But I was like, should we be calling this Holocaust? Like, I know sixty thousand is a lot of people, but like, the Holocaust is yeah. a, it's a le- level. I feel like that's well, such a like a heavy word. It's a really <laughs> like, heavy word. You know, you know, for yeah. those of you who grew up. Uh, Christians, you know when your grandma would say, you shouldn't utter God's name in vain. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about the Holocaust. You shouldn't say the Holocaust in vain mm-hmm. because it's a very mm-hmm. heavy word. Yeah, but I feel like this is like as close as we got, honestly. Not counting, you know, the genocide of you know, indigenous populations. We're not counting that. We're just counting yeah. modern yeah. history, you know, after we already knew what the Holocaust was. Sources for today, we have articles by the Brazilian Museum of Psychiatry, Tribuna de Minas, a book by, the book by Daniel Arbex entitled Holocaust Brasileiro, Brazilian Holocaust, the, 26, the 2016 documentary by the same name, which we definitely recommend for you to watch if you understand Portuguese, since it's a compilation of stories of the survivors, ex-employees, family members, etc. It's available on YouTube, mm-hmm. which brings us to our next bullet point, on this wonderfully typed outline. This is your friendly trigger warning, friends. Throughout this episode, we'll be talking about sad and disturbing things, touching topics that are very, very, very upsetting, including many stories of abuse of people with disabilities and also people with no disability at all, no spoilers. Also, it's important to say that part of our research was educating ourselves on how to talk about mental health and disabilities correctly, and uh, we want to make sure that we are. So if we make a mistake, please let us know because we we want to be right. We want to learn. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We want to be as inclusive as possible mm-hmm. and as, respectful as, as possible. Non, non-ableist. Is that, is that yeah. a word, non-ableist as possible? I think you get the same. I think I think the word is just right, just correct, just yeah, not an yeah. asshole, not a piece of you shit. know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is like just reading the title of this case. Grant, I don't know anything about this case. Staff Spoiler is bad. <laughs> it's yeah. really bad. Like I'm here. So, like I can't wait to cover reading, this so I can I'm stop getting thinking like about it. a little. My feet are sweating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Here's the <laughs> indicator. How how. <laughs> rating every episode on like how bad it is by feet sweats yes this is four oh out of five i feel like feet. that should be a scale you know because you know sam and i in our book podcast we rate mm-hmm. the books by giving books the tamale rating so how many <laughs> tamales does this deserve yeah so here we should say how sweaty are how feet sweaty right now okay this. how sweaty are you right now i am very sweaty i'm very nervous so. I, I knowing everything that happens i am sweating because I, I am sweating like profusely yeah yeah our setting today is the beautiful town of barbacena in minas gerais say whatever you want about stephanie but her state is beautiful and i'll stand by that i really like minas gerais it's beautiful just like me. it is it takes after it really me is. actually mm-hmm. except for you know this chapter of this story. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sena, oh my god we're laughing we really shouldn't be barbacena the city in question is famous for being a huge producer of roses oh. and also everything that is like rose related like perfumes everything 
So it's to a degree that like uh, it's nicknamed the City of Roses. Oh, my mom would That's love cute, that. cute, right? They also have a less appealing nickname, though. Quote, the City of the Crazy. This is not us using the word. This is just the word that is used. Okay? Mm. We shouldn't use that, but, right? We won't yeah. be saying that again yeah. in this outline. Yeah, and like, you'll see in a lot of languages, people, like, mm. ableist language is... is seen as common so like calling things crazy and researching this like i had to translate from ableist to non-ableist yeah like everything even when people are like you know actively trying to be like as respectful as possible yeah the language is still charged so i had a a tough time on this so this is why i'm like please let me know if i missed anything yeah so mm -hmm. so they were called that uh, not because they party a lot or because they have unconventional lifestyles. No, it's because for decades it served as a dump for anyone who didn't fit the mold. Which brings us to what once was Brazil's biggest psychiatric hospital, Hospital Colonia, which we'll be referring to here just as Colonia throughout the episode, so don't get confused. Uh, what we call hospital, those singular hospital was actually seven hospitals divided into 16 pavilions, much like, you know, prison. Yikes. Yeah. So, Colonia was founded on a Children's Day, uh, 1903. Children's Day in Brazil is October 12th. It is also the day of some saint. I don't remember uh, which one. It's the Brazilian the... saint. But it's a Catholic thing. They also have Children's Day here. It's just that... It's Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't find a whole lot about how it started, but it was initially a private hospital that catered to the wealthy. And at the time, uh, it must have been a very, like, a great facility because, you know, (laughs) rich people get the best things ever. (laughs) It is in those early days that a train line was built to deliver patients to the hospital. The thing is, Colonia wasn't successful, financially speaking, so the government bought it. Yay. (laughs) Yay. It's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yay. So Mm -hmm. many sources say that it was sort of a consolation prize for the city because it was like one of the top picks when they were trying to determine the state's capital. And Barbacena lost to my hometown, the Lutus Lodge. (laughs) So they got like a psychiatric hospital as a gift. Like this is information that I read seven times <laughs> at many different places, and I still don't understand it. Who gifts a psychiatric hospital to a city? I mean, to is it a person? Is it own, like what happened? <laughs> like I know they want to be the capital. How about we settle with you know a dump for people? How yeah, yeah. How about Sounds we dump good. every quote undesirable and quote person into your town as he sounds great rice. like anyway so by 1950 the hospital was already overpopulated the capacity was 200 patients but they had 5,000 patients <laughs> wow if that doesn't scream brazil i don't know what else does <laughs> 
Not to mention that they didn't have clean water, sanitation, or close to enough food to feed all the patients. Colonia was always understaffed, underfunded, but the influx of patients wouldn't stop. We wish we could say here that Colonia was the type of place that people would only leave on a stretcher, but the reality is that they didn't even have the stretchers. Patients would get to Colonia through a special train, the train was built before, that would drop them right off at the hospital, essentially. So carts filled with like 50, 60 people from all over the country made several stops would just keep coming to the facility when they had no room to receive any more people like at all, but they couldn't say no. Here's some stats for you. Only Minas Gerais is stats not throughout the country, just the state. In 79, so like by the end of all this, one in every two and a half people who presented to a psychiatrist were committed to like a hospital. Damn. And this is Colonia, mostly. It's a shitload of people. Yeah. A lot of people that were put in the trains that took them to Colonia didn't know where they were going. Oh my they God. didn't know that they were going to a psychiatric hospital, yeah. But also they didn't know like what state they were in. They didn't know what city they were in. Nothing. That's terrifying. When the patients got to Colonia, they would be separated into groups by sex, by age, by physical characteristics. Then they had all their belongings confiscated. Then they were forced to undress and to partake in a group shower, which was in reality just being hosed down with ice cold water. That literally brought chills up my spine. I'm not even joking. Oh my God. Yeah. And although they probably spent most of their time naked they would then receive their uniform nicknamed the the big blue which was just the flimsiest of scrubs the men would then have their heads shaped a word that i saw used very frequently when colony is being described is deposit often it is said that it was a deposit of people literally the place to dump poor fortunate souls when it comes when it seems like there's nothing else to do with them that's just so, and that wasn't even like a hundred years ago. It wasn't a long time ago. I know, yeah, right? Isn't that, that like, like literally? My parents right? were most likely born by the time all of this was happening. Stephanie, there's a lot of listeners. They're like alive yeah. at that time, listening to this. Yeah, and That's... I was watching like that Ripper documentary, mm-hmm. like yesterday, and that like, and I was thinking like, dude, this is all happening while well, people were like being killed. In Brazil, like, this mental facility, like, it was, you know, the 1800s. And, yeah. like, the the world is, like, so much, like, far, like, farther along, and we're still doing this. Yeah. You know? It's cr- yeah. crazy. No, not crazy. to mention, like, this is happening at the same time as the dictatorship. So not only do we have one evil- I wonder if there's a coincidence. <laughs> I wonder if it's, like, you know, oh, yeah. a convenient totally. for lo- solution for them. Totally. Because it's not just one dictatorship. This is, like, going throughout the many that we had yeah. like, early yeah. last century. That's mm. wild. So, uh, and the treatment didn't really, uh, the treatment of the people didn't really extend uh only to people with disabilities, but also people who were there with no good reason at all. There are stories of people who were caught smoking weed and then sent to Colonia, alcoholics, people who were sent to Colonia to hide a pregnancy, people who had been caught without their documents by the cops, homeless people, gay people, sex workers, women whose husbands would rather stay with their mistresses, people who got drunk one day, 
got arrested and then were sent to Colonia. And then they just couldn't leave. And also, kind of important to mention, the, that the overwhelming majority of the patients were people of color. <laughs> wow. Not a surprise, isn't it? Not a surprise at all. Some families would commit the patient to the clinic and then just move away. So when they needed to be contacted or when the family member died, there was no way of reaching out to them. And by the way, this hospital did not have the faintest intention of treating these people or even like ever letting them go. They were just waiting to die. It is estimated that only 30% of the patients at Colonia were living with me mental illnesses or disabilities. Wow. What is there to say about this? I Like, honestly, like, what can we ever say about this? I am low-key mad that <laughs> I did not learn about this in history class <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> like, why was I not taught about this? We we are taught about the Holocaust and how eugenics works other places, but not, you know, under our noses. Like, what? Did eugenics happen in Brazil? No. Yeah. No. Did they try to clean up society? No. What? We would never. Mm -mm. The, after all, this is a mixed country. This is oh, a melting, melting pot. pot. Everyone's a little black, a little brown, yeah, right? Yeah, everybody's mm -hmm. a little bit black in Brazil. Racism doesn't exist. And this is not just racism, too. Like, it's it's the mistreatment of, like... Yeah, yeah. People with disabilities, like, at, at, at its core, right? That, like, but honestly, nothing else. I feel like even to this day, people disabled people are seen as nothing in Brazil. Um, yeah. Mental illness is seen as stigmatized. Yeah, it's very stigmatized. Like, for instance, uh, you know, listeners, if you don't know, I am like I'm diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and I'm medicated for that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in my family think that someone who would, you know, search, look for treatment, and like get medicated so mm -hmm. they can be stable. That, that person's crazy <laughs> basically that's what they think yeah. in 2021 and i when i was reading this because i also have you know my issues myself but like i was reading it and i was like there's no way i wouldn't be committed to this place yeah that's i was like yeah. i would be there exactly. superior podcast live from colonia <laughs> like live from colonia. both of us oh my, like honestly. oh my god i just got whacked by a nurse yeah that would be us <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. Oh God, it, it isn't sucks. funny, but like, oh, this sucks ass. No, yeah, but like, it, it's it sucks that the, like we came farther. You know, we progressed from this, but like at its core, like the issues are still there. Yeah, exactly. nothing was fixed. <laughs> yeah, the, no. nothing was fixed. Let's talk about the staff for a bit, since we talked. We mentioned like you know being whacked by a nurse. Yeah. There were very, very, very few nurses working at Colonia, and even fewer doctors. And when we say nurses, we mean, like, people that never sat through a nursing class or even had, like, any type of previous experience. You apply to be a nurse, and you become a nurse. Congratulations. There were a lot of guards, too, and uh, they would act as nurses, administering, like, medication and treatment. So they would, like... Be, it's, give medication like not knowing what it is like there's a lot of stories of that and of course electroshock therapy was extremely common 
granted at the time it was considered like beneficial but at colonia it was mostly used it was mostly not used for its intended purposes electroshock was used as punishment for the patients and there's stories of patients who'd be like shocked as frequently as every other day <sighs> the experience was so traumatic that they would hide um in the bathrooms before a session to spread feces all over their bodies so they could be slippery and you'd be harder to restrain them yeah the wow. abuse of electroshock therapy happened so much and so often that it wasn't it was not uncommon for the whole city to go without power because of it. That's how much they used yes. electroshock therapy. Wow. Yeah. Frequently patients administered electroshock therapy. Since the hospital was always like severely understaffed, they had instructions on how to do it like on the equipment and like Anyone could do it. Wait, but like, <laughs> were they forced to do it to other people? Is that? Yeah. Oh my God. Of course, we don't even need to say that many people lost their lives because of it. And another frequent treatment that was used always without consent of the patients and the families was lobotomies. A lot of lobotomies happened. And we all know that lobotomies work 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. That is and we're fact. talking we're talking about a facility where 70% of people didn't have yeah nothing like yeah this feels like the tropical version of American Horror Story sorry <laughs> but we're I mean I wish I wish this was you know I wish that was that so uh, patients at Colonia would sleep in overcrowded cells they would sleep in the hallways, anywhere they could lay down, really, since there was not enough beds for everyone, let alone mattresses. It was common practice for staff to go around during the day collecting grass, let it dry out in the sun for a bit, and then as the night fell, they would just bring that grass inside, pile it up, and let the patients sleep on top of the grass. Yeah, so when we post pictures, you're going to see some pictures of that, like, you know, what looks like tumbleweeds, like, you know, lying like the walls and stuff of the place. That's what that is. That's where the patients slept. Some of the patients remember how uncomfortable it was and how there would always be ants on that grass. Jesus Christ. One of the things people mentioned the most when they talk about Colonia was the cold. Um, Brazil is a tropical country that rarely sees snow, but it's not uncommon, uncommon for Barbacena to see 40 or 50 degree weather. Patients would spend most of their day in the courtyard exposed to the cold, often naked. The ones who had something to wear sometimes would set it on fire so they could have a heat source. Yeah, the That's buildings awful. had no heating or anything. Yeah, so. even like in colder parts of Brazil, like having mm -hmm. a heating system is not very common. Even nicer places, nothing is ever insulated. The yeah. houses are not insulated, so it's like it's as cold as it's inside, outside, you know? Yeah, and the buildings are made of brick. Uh, so yeah. to those of you who don't know, brick buildings are way colder. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm actually experiencing that for the first time in 12 years now <laughs> that I live by myself because my apartment has uh, brick walls mm -hmm. in my bedroom. So it's cold as fuck and I have a heating system. <laughs> so can you imagine that without a heating system? Yeah. 
So at night, the patients would, would try to snuggle up together, for lack of a better word, as an attempt to warm themselves up. The thing is, the snuggle becomes a pile, and the ones at the bottom of the pile would die crushed by the weight of the patients on top. I'm so sorry if you ruined your day, listeners. I'm so yeah. sorry if you like had to do anything after this. Yeah. This is bad. There will be so many deaths come wintertime that local cemeteries were not able to deal with the influx of corpses. It was also very common for people to die of hunger or of untreated diseases. And when we say that like the cemeteries were not able to deal with the influx of corpses, like the people were buried in like mass graves, like obviously. But the soil, like the ground, will not be able to absorb the amount of bodies. That That sounds like something out of a movie. It doesn't sound like something that happens in real life. How far away is Bible City from Minas Gerais? Like, you you grew up, like, next to this dude. Can you imagine? Yeah. I'm going to Google how (laughs) far away this place is from, like, the house where I used to live. Yeah. So you can keep you imagine, reading like, and you I'll live I'll look right it next up. to the cemetery. But now that we mentioned corpses, with so many casualties, disposal becomes sort of an issue. People were buried in mass graves, right? Like as we said, in cemeteries, in cemeteries that would work with the hospital, so they were like special, special cemeteries for these things and these places that were usually where society's less desirable people would go to get buried including people of color that i didn't know that there was like different cemeteries like black people would not be buried not even buried the same cemetery as black people i honestly did not know that either Uh, yeah just goes to show how like normalized um racism and segregation are in brazil like we we like we hear a lot about this type of thing here in the u.s like buses being separate restaurants separate Mm -hmm. but you're honestly like as far well i have an eighth grade education in brazilian history (laughs) uh but as far as i'm concerned you don't don't learn that in school no so yeah so the patients were the ones who were tasked with taking the corpses to the cemeteries they had like special carts like to carry the corpses so however however the hospital noticed a demand for for corpses coming from universities so yeah you know where this is going they started selling the dead for a few hundred a pop for big to big renowned universities from all over the country one time one of those institutions even wrote to the hospital asking them to please find a way to send more corpses. Oh. Find a way to send more corpses. Wouldn't it be nice to encourage this institution that's clearly murdering people to commit more murders? More murder. Over 1,800 bodies were sold to colleges between 1969 and 1980. I... This is not happening, like, right next to, like, H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. This is not that. This is 1969 to 1980. H.H. H. Holmes had been dead when this happened. Like, <laughs> he was dead for a long time. And get this. 
when there wasn't a huge demand coming from universities for those corpses, for the whole corpse, corpses, I mean, they would just dissolve body parts of the deceased on acid, boil them, whatever, uh, right in front of other patients, mind you, to sell the bones. I don't have any words. Uh, but I did Google the distance between my uh, old house and the hospital, and it is 105 miles, uh, which is approximately two hours and 42 minutes car ride. So, fun times. Field mm-hmm. trip. <laughs> field trip when I go to Brazil again. Field that would like be the most depressing field trip of my life. Yeah. And Chess is rubbing her tail up on Carol's face. The nerve. So, another common. A source of income uh, for the hospital was forced labor. In 1916 alone, half of the hospital's income was labor from the patients, always unpaid, always inhumane. The patients would be used to um, the patients would be used for farm work, to make garments for construction, uh, lawn care, you name it. And we're not only talking about like, oh, I need someone to do the roofing of my house. No, 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 no. We're talking about the patients working for the city. So the government was well aware of this. The government owns these people. Mm-hmm. They're using them for the stuff that they need to. Yeah. So one of the darkest chapters of this story is the children. Yeah. Initially, the facility was not meant for kids. There were other hospitals where families that couldn't take care of their children that were living with disabilities could send them. One of those was located in the nearby town of Oliveira. And when that uh, facility closed, 30 kids were sent to Colonia where they would live in the same conditions as the adults. There's pictures of this, you guys. I honestly want to watch that documentary, but I don't think I can take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you see survivors, like, talking about it, but it's hard to, like, see, like, yeah, this is me when I was five, and, you know, this is what happened, and they're sad, and you can see them, like, you know, the body language change when you start talking about it, like, it's, it sucks. Yeah. Man, it sucks. Like, it sucks so bad. But... If these patients were out there working during the day, would people, like, see them? Like, wouldn't people notice that they were living in inhumane conditions and, like, do something about it? Because they would be, like, all skinny and dirty and clearly disturbed. Wouldn't people notice? Yeah, and do something. No, they wouldn't do anything about it. They would notice. Yeah, people saw it. People noticed it. People saw it. But no one did anything about it. It was extremely normalized and it was like just the way things were. One of the people in the documentary like grew up that grew up around the one the, the hospital says that he would often go there with his friends when he was little and he remembers like looking over the walls to like see the hordes of patients on the courtyards. And he says that it looked like chickens, looked like mini chickens. He used this word, like, looked like mini chickens. And he also says that, like, some of them were normal. Like, he would talk to these people. And about the normalization of this, he says that, quote, you see a car on the street, 
it's not a sight to see. Like you don't think twice about it. So witnessing Colonia was like seeing nothing at all. It was like seeing a car, seeing a horse, seeing a lamp. Like it was just a everyday thing. And I, I can only imagine how he this guy and like other children who lived in the town felt mm -hmm. this reminds me of that uh movie what's the movie where the kid lives near the concentration uh, shirt pajamas boy in striped pajamas what did you say the boy in striped stri oh pajamas. okay <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> yeah so like <laughs> it's like that um yeah like i don't i don't even know how do you even explain that to a child you I, i guess you don't explain it yeah but uh, it just anyway so sad it wouldn't be right to do an episode on colonia without including stories of people who lived through the tragedy so we'll start with one of the most striking of them an 11 year old girl called geralda was working as a maid for a family the man of the house was a lawyer as she describes, someone who didn't seem like the type of person that would do something so heinous. Well, he raped her, and she ended up pregnant. And if that wasn't enough, he took her to Colonia. She said that she had no idea what was going on, that the day he left her there, she thought she wasn't going to stay. She had the baby there, um, and she named the baby João Bosco. And she took good care of him. That is, until they transferred him without her prior knowledge or authorization. When she complained, she got shocked. They were separated for 40 years. Another survivor, Antonio Gomes da Silva, was at Colonia for 34 years. Antonio doesn't know why he was sent there, but it was after he lost his job and developed a drinking problem. He got arrested and he was dumped there. He says that he spent a lot of time naked in spite of knowing that there was plenty of clean clothes to go around. Also, uh, people didn't know he was able to speak. He spent 21 years in, sil in silence in there. And for the, and when people asked, like, why didn't you speak? He says, because no one asked me if I was able to speak. And that only shows, like, how inhumane the treatment was. Staff didn't talk to the patients that's my god another one maria da conceição machado was dropped at colonia in the 40s when she was 15 she was one of four siblings the other three were males she was a daughter of a far farmer and while her brothers would work in the field etc she was expected to stay at home cook all that but she worked the hell out of those fields and she had the nerve to demand that her father pay her the same as she pay as he paid her brothers the result she was sent to colonia because of that solely wow yeah she was diagnosed as quote imbecile which is probably meaningless even back then. Like, she didn't have any diagnosis. She would often fight the guards, and she didn't accept any diagnosis that was thrown her way. Maria is one of the known patients to speak out against the condition they lived under. So there were a few instances where the hospital was photographed. In 1961, by photographer Luis Alfredo, and in 1979, by Irã Firmino. Both times, the photos were published on very detailed articles about the place. 
There's also a documentary produced in 1979 entitled In the Name of Reason by Ovesu Hatton. It's absolutely shocking, and it did shock a lot of people at the time, but as you would expect, no one did anything. It features, it features scenes from everyday life at Colonia, also interviews with patients. One of those patients was Conceição, uh, the one who demanded equal pay. It shows her sitting in front of her pavilion asking for better conditions for doctors for humanity. Another woman featured in, in the documentary was named Sueli, who lived for decades in the hospital. She also speaks out against the conditions. Sueli had two daughters in Colonia. She gave one of them to a nurse who was only a teenager at the time since she knew she would not be able to keep the baby. Sueli spent her pregnancies intentionally covered in feces because if one was covered in poop, no one would mess with them, thus keeping the baby safe. A renowned Italian psychiatrist, Franco Basiagli, visited Colonia in 79 also. Basiagli was, he had been one of the biggest names against that type of treatment over there in Italy. And when he visited, he started crying like as soon as he walked into the hospital. And he said that this wasn't an institution, this was a concentration camp. So he was the kind of the first one to kind of link the two things here. He had been in other places in various subhuman conditions in many countries, but he said that this was the worst he had ever seen. Even before Bazagia's visit, there was already a push for the humanization of hospitals like Colonia, but that visit was a huge push. They took advantage of the publicity that he got and gathered attention to enact positive change here. And the change, it might have been slow. It was very slow, but it worked. People, they were very passionate about not only improving the conditions in psychiatric hospitals, but completely eradicating places like Colonia where people would stay for long, if not forever, <laughs> long periods of time, if not forever. At least in Minas Gerais, the state in question here, there aren't any hospitals like that anymore. Now patients stay only as long as they need, like very short periods of time. And the people that do require the care of like a living facility, they live in special government houses. And even then, they're able to get benefits. They have their own money. They can go out, run errands. They have their own bedrooms, they have their own possessions. They can choose when, where, and when to eat. And they even go on vacations a lot of the time. Like, they go like, yeah, I went to, like, Bahia, like, once and stuff. And they go like, yeah, I travel by plane. And then there's, like, pictures of them on the plane. People that were, like, you know, like, living them, like, living there, those places, like, since they were kids, you know, living in awful conditions. And they were able to, you know, see a life. For, for themselves and I feel good I feel good about that like that you know some people made it out and they have normal lives there's two of the patients that they met in hospice and they got married and they live like married they, they have their own little house you know what I mean and they have money and they go to the store like dude oh that is very heartwarming so, in the 2010s, uh, Daniela Ahbex, a journalist, started unburying the stories of Colonia. Because, granted, the situation was astronomically better, but no one knew about what had happened there. 60,000 people died, and no one knew about it. 
She did a series of articles and then a book and a documentary that finally brought the tragedy closer to the light. Her work is based upon stories she gathered from survivors, doctors, nurses, families. Everyone should read it, period. And Daniela did all of that with one question in mind. Who is at fault here? Because no one was ever held responsible for this whole thing to this day. Not for a single death, and no one was able to point any fingers at a culprit. She says that everyone was at fault. Everyone was complacent. The government, the townies, the doctors, the nurses, the families, the employees, everyone. We want to finish off here with a number. The only somewhat positive thing here. 190. That's how many people survived Colonia Hospital. Anywhere. It had like 60,000 wow. people that died on it. And we don't find out. We don't know. This is, honestly, I want every Brazilian person who's listening to this, mom, I know you're listening. I want to know if you ever heard of this. Like, Did any of you know about this? Granted, this um, Sen is in the south of Minas Gerais, which is not where my parents mm-hmm. are from. They're from like the northeast-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know if like, Word travel yeah. about this. Yeah, because I know that, like, you know, people that are not from Brazil, they probably for sure haven't heard about this. But Brazilian listeners, like, also, probably most of you have. Yeah. I, before I researched this, I had only heard about it, like, in passing. Like, I know it existed, like, but I didn't know anything about it. Like, I, I knew there was a thing called the Brazilian. Yeah, Earth. me too, but I didn't know what it but, entailed. Like, no, I didn't. <laughs> my dumb ass didn't have like the 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 thought to like google it yeah <laughs> like, that's yeah same like dude why same it's so i don't know this is this is honestly like the saddest thing like i've ever had to write like in my life like i've i've had some difficult outlines but like this is it's it's so many years of like abuse you know and the worst things ever happening yeah this is oh yeah makes me sick this reminds me of the schools in Florida that inspired the book The Nickel Boys. They had a bunch of like mm. uh, schools for like bad children <laughs> where mm-hmm. a bunch of kids died and were abused like very heavily. For some reason, like mm-hmm. this reminded me of that. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I didn't include this on the outline because, you know, the part about the children. A lot of these children didn't have any kind of, you know, they weren't, they didn't have any, they weren't living with any disabilities, but they were just like, you know, difficult kids. Yeah. Yeah. People couldn't handle and they just got dumped. Yeah. This kid, this kid didn't want to go to mass on Sunday. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's throw him in there. Yeah. There's a picture of like a little blonde boy. He's like wearing a dress and like just laying down like and he has like flies all over his body and stuff. And on one of the videos that I watched, you can see where he is right now. And you know where he is? Like laying down just like the picture. Like that's how he spent his life, you know? Oh my. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. And there's also, like, another, um, I think it was on the 2016 documentary, Hidem, the, the, one of the people that took the photo, the photos of the place, he says that he was taking pictures of the kids, and there was one boy that, like, approached him, and he was like, hey, 
uh, do you want to be my dad? And he was, like, crying. Oh, my God. Like, and that's one of the pictures we have to post. Like, because he's, like, covering his face. Like, you can see the tears and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of these pictures, you see people, like, naked, right? Just laying, either, like, laying down, like, on the ground, like, absolutely, like, defeated. and Or just, like, hiding because they're, like, ashamed of, like, the condition they're in. And there's no way out. That's what's, like, crushing about this. It's not that they're spending a year like this, two years. They're spending 30 years for no reason. Yeah, they're spent, they're stuck there for the rest of their life the conditions were so bad that they learned how to like get a little bit of like humanity that they would hide in the basements of the hospital and just survive off of rats because that was better than like being in you know sleeping in hay and stuff and my god yeah and this is like only a few of the stories like i chose not to include a lot of it like my head has a lot more (laughs) of the the similar information than you know i i put in this outline because it's just super sad you know what i wonder you know how like when we did like dictatorship uh cases in the past we've always wondered like whether one of our relatives was involved in that i wonder if anyone Mm -hmm. i well obviously not anyone i know because this happened before i was born but Mm -hmm. uh if anyone in your yeah anyone in my family was sent there or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there there's probably like no record maybe of the people who were there, right? No, no, there's records. There's records. That's how they know like they they know exactly like whose body was sold. They they have like they have good records of things. But you know, like th- it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And what sucks too is that like People, they sometimes were forced to, like, work in these things. Like, this is the job that you have, and you have to deal with it. And, like, you don't have any experience, and you're young, and all of a sudden you're, like, a nurse, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people, they, like, people, they didn't work. uh, Some people did work in these places for a long time, but some people didn't. Like, some people, they got there. There was a story of, like, one woman that she wanted to be a nurse. And first day, she saw, like, a, a woman dying from, like, electric shock. And she was like, no, thanks. This is not for me. I don't want to be a nurse anymore. Like, it's, Was she allowed to leave? You know, it, no, she, at, at that woman specifically, she got a different job, but it's still at the same facility. Oh, my God. Because I also, uh, to know numbers, 60,000 people died, right? Mm-hmm. That was not 60,000 people at the time, at any given time at the facility, right? But you know how many people Barbacena has, like, today, population? No. Like, a little over half that. So it's as if, like, half of the city died there. Jesus. Yeah, it's a lot of people. So it is probably the biggest industry. We're talking about, like, many hospitals, not just one hospital yeah. that was doing this, right? So it's 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 the food, it's the cleaning, it's everything. Even though it was bad condition, like you know, yeah, it's 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 jobs that you have, I guess, and it sucks. And I saw one also, like just to finish it up, uh, one of the psychiatrists that like pushed for the conditions to get better. He says that he walked in there and then all of a sudden he was like ashamed. He was a doctor. He he got like he was ashamed. He was. A psychiatrist. I would be too, especially because, like, let's face it, the people who actually tried or, like, even thought about 
treating all these patients like humans mm-hmm. they had no power to actually do that so mm-hmm. it must be so no frustrating yeah and it's not one person is going to change it that's what sucks too it had to be systematic like you know legislation almost yeah like disabled people were only like entitled for humanity like in 2003 in brazil like it's not this thing it's it's so recent and it's it's very uncomfortable that's the word it's uncomfortable to like face these things and be like this existed like this is part of our history yeah you know and i know this things it happened everywhere in the world it happened here in the u.s too because medicine especially you know psychiatry wasn't focused on treating these things yeah for the most part you know or focused on any respect any kind of dignity and humanity was you know how, how do we put these people on you know the minimum like amount of like money is possible and like have how do we deal with them until they die because we can't just go ahead and like you know gas all yeah yeah that that's what that was yeah so uh, yeah i'm glad that we came you know a long way from this i'm glad that we're over a lot of it but as i said before these issues are still here these issues are still here so yeah we have a long way to go (laughs) yeah so Mm. um let's talk about something positive joe biden's resident oh my god if i it's finally here so we're recording this the day before his inauguration uh, this is going to be the yes. first inauguration that yes, I actually watch. That's that's going to be interesting. Like, even when mm-hmm. Obama was reelected, I remember I was really happy. But, like, I didn't watch the inauguration. And obviously, you know, whose inauguration, I, I definitely did not watch that. <laughs> so I, I'm excited. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, that probably is not going to change anything about my life in particular. But... And we can always hope it'll change for the best a little bit, at least. Anything else positive happening in your life, Carol? Anything else? Uh, I'll tell you. I got a package from Ulta coming. (gasps) What did you buy? That's... uh, What did you buy? What did I buy? Let me see. She doesn't even remember what she bought. No, I I remember. It's because... I had like a gift card and then I was like, I'm going to buy the most amount of makeup I can for the cheapest. And so I went on like Ulta prices, low to high. And I just got like a L lipstick for $3 and like Wet n Wild lipstick for $3. Wet n Wild lipsticks are actually really good. I know they're really good. They're really good. I got like some mascara. I got two concealers, mm. one that is my shade and one that's lighter Two different types of concealers, by the way. So I can try it out. I got a palette and two nail polishes and an eyebrow pencil yeah my makeup is very old guys i have makeup that's 10 years old that i'm still using and i'm working on kind of slowly replacing (laughs) it because i don't think it's healthy yeah i i I have foundation not foundation eyeshadows that are over 10 years old but i don't wear them i just keep them my poor naked two palette from 2010 like yeah i don't wear them i just well (laughs) i don't really wear oh i wear them so oh i wear them and they're they're still good they're still good (laughs) 
I mean, I bought them. I'm like, it, and my eyes, are, guys, my eyes are so small. My eyelids are so small that like I still haven't hit pan on, and I use it very frequently. Yeah. So. Yeah. My my eyes are. I have no eyelid space. You're so, like just like my sister. Last. Like when we go out, my sister will be like, "Oh, can you do my makeup?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Then I try to like replicate what I did on my eyes <laughs> onto her eyes, and it oh, never works. No. And I'm like, it never "Why works. does it look?" good on me but it looks yeah. weird on you dude story of my life like i i like i'll be like sitting out with 14 year old me sitting down in front of a youtube tutorial okay i have these products i'm gonna do it it's gonna be all good and i do it and then i look close my eyes and i open it and then my eyelids swallow the whole yeah <laughs> and it sucks you have to learn how to do it can you use some tips for when you do your sister's makeup like there's a way to work it there's a way to work it but yeah no like uh it's, she knows youtube's not gonna teach this you that. girl who um she does makeup like on the side she has like a regular job and does makeup on the side so sometimes if my sister has an special event to go to she mm -hmm. like pays that girl and that girl knows how to do her makeup but like i know how to do mm -hmm. makeup on me <laughs> not on my sister <laughs> yeah this is the thing too like you'll learn your own like shape yeah like, your eye shape your face shape like doing it on something on someone else just looks weird yeah right? exactly i remember one time my mom did my sister's makeup on this i'm so sorry and it looked like just my mom's face had been transported <laughs> to like my sister's face because it's literally like she did the eyebrows the same everything like with my mom's makeup and so my 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 sister went to prom looking like she was 55 years old i'm so sorry exactly yeah that's that's how it is so i'm gonna do some shout outs uh if i'm yeah repeating shout outs well you get a bonus shout out because i don't go. take notes um sarah <laughs> natalie samara corina nanda kat uh anna camille natalia melly joanna elde loni courtney paulo fernanda flavia rosana isabel Luna, Lucero, Gustavo, Tina, Caroline, Melis, Michelle, Glenowen, Laís, Mariana, Elizabeth, Giuliani, me, Hikaute, um, Isveda, Rosa, Andresa, Guilherme, Kaylin, Carolina, and Ana Claudia. Welcome 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 to the susperia family you get exactly nothing for being here no you get to listen to us and probably cry with us because i almost cried a few times reading this outline that almost never happens hmm. i'm looking for the day that we're both gonna cry reading something like how bad is it how sweaty are we gonna be the day that we're both crying Honestly? just crying sweating i don't think that's ever gonna happen for me <laughs> i don't want to get your hopes up I cry, I cry really easily. Cause, yeah, because you're a typical Pisces. Did you see the Pisces meme that I posted on my story the other day? No, but you're a Pisces too. Yeah, no. Listen, did you see? No, don't come at me with astrology. Did you? Things. Did you see the meme that I posted? It says Pisces, no. you're either, and then it had like a, a crying Paris Hilton, mm -hmm. and then the second one was the villain from He Man laughing, cackling. <laughs> That's me. It's us. Yeah. It's, it's our it's podcast me and you, in a like nutshell. 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, oh, my God. I'm so hungry. Well, you're hungry. I, and I'm not hungry because I've already had my last meal about an hour ago. Um, Are you going to be executed? No. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't think no, kidding, so. <laughs> I hope not. I'd like to finish this semester and find out what my grades are before that happens. <laughs> um, oh my god! But yeah, I started my fast about an hour ago, so that's fun. Anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed. Well, there's no mm-hmm. way for you to have enjoyed this, but no we hope this that this was time. interesting to you. Um, if you had heard about this before, let something. us know. If you have case suggestions you know where to find us the spirit podcast at gmail.com we hope you Mm -hmm. liked the promo that we added to this uh week's episode if you have an episode of your own and you want to you know swap promos you can always email us yeah thank you so much fruit loops we love you guys we do yeah yeah okay bye i hope you guys have a good end of the world let's all hope it ends soon laters haters ciao Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at suspiriapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Suspiria.